Perak Tezvav, Mishnah Zayim. Amra, if a lady says, Mes Bali, my husband died, V'achakach, Mes Chavi, and then my father-in-law died. So we're talking about a case where a woman went overseas, her, her husband, and her father-in-law. And then she comes back and says that her husband died, and then afterwards her father-in-law died overseas. Says the Mishnah, Tinase, she can go ahead and get remarried. She's believed to get married and also collect her ksuba, like we've been discussing till now. And her mother-in-law, Asura, she's forbidden to remarry. Why? We're believing her for herself. Why don't we believe her of what she says about her father-in-law? That her father-in-law died and let her mother-in-law remarry. Says the Mishnah, no, we don't let the mother-in-law remarry. Why? Because a daughter-in-law is not believed to testify for a mother-in-law. Right? Just like a mother-in-law is not believed to testify for a daughter-in-law. Like we learned back in Mishnah Dala, the five women that cannot testify for one another because it says, Sonos hain zuazu, because they hate each other. So a daughter-in-law can't testify for a mother-in-law. A mother-in-law cannot testify for a daughter-in-law. So in this case, yes, a daughter-in-law can get remarried because we believe her for herself, but we don't believe her testimony for her mother-in-law to let her remarry. And even though she says first, my husband died, and then after what she says, my father-in-law died, nevertheless, according to her words, maybe you'd say, hey, look, if she says her husband died first, at that moment, she's no longer a daughter-in-law because she's not married to this woman's son. Nevertheless, she's not believed to say afterwards that her father-in-law died to permit her mother-in-law to go ahead and get remarried. Next case. If her mother-in-law was a Yisraelis, married to a Kohen, so says the Mishnah, the mother-in-law could still eat Truma as if her husband's alive, because we're not letting her remarry, right? So if her husband was a Kohen, we still permit her to eat Truma as well. This is the opinion of Reptarfin, like we learned in the previous Mishnah. Rabbi Kiva Omer, again, Rabbi Kiva will argue like we had before. Meaning, we're stringent that regarding the marriage, a daughter-in-law is not, permit, is not believed to testify for a mother-in-law, and therefore she's forbidden to remarry as if her husband is alive. But regarding Truma, we assume he's dead, and therefore she's forbidden to eat Truma because she's a Yisraelis and she's no longer married to a Kohen, and therefore she'd be forbidden to eat Truma. So Rabbi Kiva was stringent both ways. Next case. Kiddush achas mechamesh nashim. A man gets, goes ahead and, and he's mechadish, he marries achas one from five women. Achas mechamesh nashim, one from five women. He doesn't know who he married. He's got these five women in front of him now. And and each one says, Osi kiddish, Osi kiddish. They each say, yeah, you married me. And the other one says, no, you married me. So what does he do? He doesn't want to be married to all of them, and he wants to get off the hook. Says the Mishnah, no sing get the kolachas v'achas. He's got to give a get to each and every one, because each one is a suffix, is a doubt. Maybe I'm married to her, so he has to give her. He has to give a get to each one. So that's not a big deal. You hire a cipher, pay him a couple extra bucks, and he writes a get to each one. But what about the ksuba? Does he have to give a ksuba to each one? Says the Mishnah, umeniach ksuba b'neim. All he has to do is leave one ksuba in Bezdin with the money uh, allotted to you know the wife. And then, uh, he leaves the money for a ksuba for one wife. And then he, you know, he, 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 uh, he vanishes. 
he goes, you know, he runs away. Um, there are Tarfin, this is the opinion of Reb Tarfin, because according to Reb Tarfin, he's not obligated to give a ksuba to each and every woman here. Elazushtavi, rather that the woman that comes and brings proof that she's the wife, she'll get the, the money of the ksuba, right? But until then, it's in, it's in the hands of Bazin, he's not obligated to pay each one. So he leaves it with Bazin, and whichever woman comes forward and proves that she's really the, the right wife, she will, she will get the money for the ksuba. And the Kiva Omer, the Kiva says, Say again, he doesn't like this. He's got to give a get and he's got to give a ksuba to each and every wife. It's going to cost him a lot of money, but this is what he has to do. And the Gemara does explain over here, interestingly, that we're talking about, about a specific case where the man was Mekadah. She married these women through Bia, through living with them, through being intimate. Sha'avar Bazet, because he, now he transgresses a, a, a Isidur Abanan, a um, prohibition on a rabbinic level. Meaning, the Chachamim Mentake, they enacted that a person should, could, could, could marry a woman um, with money, with, with, right, with Kesef, with a Shtar, with a document. Um, and technically, really, you could do with Bia as well by living with them, but on a rabbinic level, they forbid it. They said, just use money or a Shtar, don't do the Bia. Like it's 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 brought down in Yavam as a Daphne and Beis. She Rav that Rav would Malki he would whip Misha is Mekadesh would be able to chachatchila a person who would go ahead and just go be straight intimate with a woman before giving her money or writing up a document. So rabbinically they made this prohibition not to do be a first not to be intimate first first do give kesef or give a star. So it says the Mishnah Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Akiva argues on her tarfin and he holds that we give a knas we give like a, a fine. To this guy, that he has to give a get and exuber to each and every one of them because he did be a first. But if he was mekadesh them with money or with a star, then Bikiva would agree to um, Rabbi Tarfin that he just gets a get to each one and then leaves one ksuba for all of them and they have to figure out you know who gets the ksuba by, by, by bringing proof. And that's actually how the lacha is. Uh, that's how we paskin. The next case, gazal echad mecha mishaf. A guy steals. He's a thief from one of five people. And then you do a me as a guzzle. He doesn't know which one he stole from, and he wants to do a Shavas Aveda. He wants to return that which he stole, but he doesn't know who to give it to. Kalech Omer, each person says, Osi Gazal, you stole from me. So what does he do? He leaves, the stole, he leaves what he stole in front of them, like we explained earlier, like by the Ksuba. He leaves the, the stolen object in, in Beisden until they find out who is the Nigzal, who was the one that was, that was really robbed. And then he goes, and then he leaves. The Reb Tarfin is the opinion of Reb Tarfin. Reb Kiva says, no. Isn't that how we get somebody out of doing a sin of stealing? Rather, he has to pay each nigzal, each person that is claiming he was stolen from, what he stole from them. Only through this way will he certainly return the stolen object to the one that it was stolen from. So again, Rabbi Akiva is going to be more stringent, and um, the halacha is actually like Rabbi Akiva regarding this case over here with the, with the stealing. All right. Mishnah Ches. Ha'isha shahalcha hi ubala lemedina sayam ubna imahem. So you got a woman who goes overseas, her, her husband, and now she brings along her son as well. Ubala, and then she comes back alone again. So she just comes back by herself. For Amman, she says, my husband died. And afterwards, my son died. So, therefore, I should be permitted to marry anybody I want. She is believed. Why? She had a son when she left to overseas. And she had the status 
of that she'd be permitted to marry anybody else after her husband dies. So to now, when she comes back and she says, my husband died, and then my son died, Nimza Lefi Devarei comes out according to her words, she has kasa harishon, her first status, she is standing in. Meaning, what's the point over here? That there's no connection to Yibam, right? If we assume, right, she's going with her first status. What's the first status? That her son was alive. And therefore, there's no connection to Yibam. And she's permitted to marry anybody she wants, right? If a woman has, if a woman's husband dies and she has no children, there's got to be Yibam. She's got to marry the brother-in-law or do a halitza to the brother-in-law. So we've been discussing till now, right? It's the whole Masechta. If she has a child and there's no Yibam, so in this case, she left overseas with her husband and with her son. She came back and said that first her husband died, and then her son died. So when her husband died, when she said the words, my husband died, we don't know yet that her, that her son died yet. Therefore, she had that status for that second that her son was still alive, and therefore there's no yibam. So even when she says afterwards that my son died, we look at the original status of the son being alive, and we let her marry whoever she wants, and there's no case of yibam over here. Very interesting. But the flip case, she says the opposite. She says, first she says, my son died. Then she says, afterwards, my husband died. It was a kuka anili yibam, and therefore I need to do yibam. You know, I've got to do yibam to the surviving brother. She is not believed. Because she's removing herself from the original status of having a, a child. She's not believed to do Yibam, because we're concerned, we're concerned, maybe she placed her eyes on her brother-in-law, fell in love with him, and is saying that um, her son died first in order to make her eligible for Yibam. And therefore, we don't, let, we don't allow this. Uh, but we're still concerned for her words, meaning, we don't let her marry anybody else until she, there's at least a Chalitza. Meaning, there won't be a Yibam, Right, because we'll technically assume um, that uh, that her, her her son was alive. Right, so basically, in this case, when she says my son died, then afterwards my husband died, and therefore let me do yibam with the surviving brother. Let me marry my brother-in-law. She's not believed. Right. Rather, we go with the original status that her son was either alive or her son died after the father. And she cannot do Yibam because we're concerned maybe she just fell in love with her brother-in-law and she wants to get a case of Yibam. Um, so therefore, we do, there's no Yibam. But at the same time, we do a Chalitza just in case she's, you know, just in case this whole, this whole case is true. So we'll do a Chalitza to separate her from the brother-in-law. But what ends up happening is that regardless, she cannot marry the brother-in-law. Certainly not Yibam. And after the Chalitza, certainly she can't, do the, the, she can't marry the brother-in-law as well. So that's the case over here, and we'll hold it for Mishnah Chas.